Canucks Central Friday. It's Dan Richo and Vic Mazar here in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Canuck Central is for Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Camby and Main or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. And also coming up, Yannick Hansen will join us via the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. That's a little bit later on this hour. Your questions in the mailbag after 5 o'clock today. Satyar Shah getting a maintenance day. Big Nazar doesn't know anything about maintenance days. He's here with me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I appreciate that, but we try to tell the truth on this show. <laughs> well, it's not like you you and I took a week off recently. Exactly. Although, you didn't take time off during Christmas. Uh, I, a little bit. Like, outside of game days and stuff like that, which I guess the Canucks oh, had, you did a, take had a few days off. What about yeah. yeah, I hosted Central for you. Hey, man, I got 14 years of tenure. I got I got vacation 14 time. 14 years of tenure. Wax on us. Oh, yeah. my yeah. goodness. <laughs> Man, you've been working since 2010? uh, 2009 was my first year. Yeah, 08 for me. With Sportsnet. But not, yeah, so you got Rogers tenure. Yeah. like radio tenure. Uh, By the way, I don't usually do Friday shows too often. No? Uh, I've never been on this side of the hour of after a guy's name and dudes. You you start loading the inbox. I was like, what's going on? And I forgot. It's chaos. It's it's great opening the inbox. All Atlanta thrashers. It's so good. Chris Chelios? Yeah. Yeah. Nice one. Uh, Kari Leitinen. Yeah, there's some good ones. Yeah, he was he, supposed to be the truth, man. He he had a good run in Dallas. Yeah, he did. Yeah, the Thrashers are just like the ultimate guys naming dudes thing <laughs> team, I think, because every guy you're like, oh sure. Yeah. Uh, Vander Kane, Blake Wheeler. Did anybody do Colby Armstrong? Yeah, we did. We did. I was a proud huge, son of Lloyd Minster. Mm. I was a huge Ilya Kovalchuk fan. Oh, he was this? so good. Swag. Like, his uh, highlight reel tape is just... <laughs> and he looked good in the Thrasher's uniform. He did. He did. Because yeah. it's a good uniform. The blue one or the, the regular? Baby the blue, blue. The all blue of them. one. All of them. The baby I, I, blue I liked one? them all, yeah. Mm-hmm. The baby blue popped, you know. We'll see. I guess if they come back into the league, they won't be the Thrashers, right? Because that's the scuttlebutt. Be. The expansion team and going back to Atlanta. What else would they be? Oh, they, I mean, they would have to buy the rights back from uh, from the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. I think the Jets are holding on to that tight, though. I don't know. Arizona held on to yeah. the Jets. Uh, it's got to be worth at least like a first rounder. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> can you trade draft picks for that? I don't know. Can't trade draft picks for coaches anymore, but you can trade it for team names. Compensatory yeah. picks for uh, logos. Yeah. Somebody rights. in Atlanta is like, hey, they they changed the expansion rules, so we might actually be good now. <laughs> is it? Oh, was there any uh, Boris Valibic uh, references? Of course there was. Uh, maybe in the text box. Honestly, right. I wasn't ready for all the... Uh, there was a lot. It, it, it flies at you. Yeah. <laughs> Martin Havlat. <laughs> all right. Nikolai Antropov. I can't believe you guys have to deal with this every Friday, just trying to sort out the inbox. With, Donald uh, Audette. My chaos. Oh, love Donald Wait, Audette. Peter Bondra played for the Atlanta Thrashers? I don't even remember that. Did you know Chris Kunitz did for mm. two games? Nice. I did not know they that. They got put back on waivers, went back to the Ducks, and had a bunch of points. <laughs> Man, what Wait, a list Did play is. a whole season? Uh, 60 games, it says. Yeah, okay. That Keith Kachuk played 18 games for them. Huge. Wow. Kelly Buckberger. 
Ray Ferraro with the Atlanta Thrashers. What an yeah. ape. Hey, so we should probably do <laughs> yeah. Thrax. Anyways, I, I didn't mean to completely derail the show. I just, <laughs> I didn't realize what chaos it is. I leave you guys with Oh my God, Nat Don the Kelly. Holy smokes. This is like one of those things like, hey babe, me and the guys just started naming a bunch of point cards yeah. in the group chat. So, uh. <laughs> Plans are off for tonight. It, it, it's the best <laughs> Friday segment, man. You just ride off into the weekend. It's great. Uh, maybe we'll have to bring it back after 5.30. Byron Defoe? Oh, my <laughs> God. Lord Byron. Who could forget? So the Vancouver Canucks won last night. So well that uh, Nikita Zadorov was able to do the gritty on Jake Wallman. Massive. Loved his comment on the postgame show with you and, uh, mm-hmm. you and sat on it. Uh, Not as much as the guys in red. (laughs) Um, Big win for the Canucks, as they all are. And one of the things about last night, and yesterday I kept mentioning it during the pregame, like, hey, first game back after a long road trip. And you think about prior years. You think about the Canucks, even in the, the crazy finish to the season with Boudreaux, you go look at those types of games where they come home off of a road trip and it's like, hey, we, we've got a good little homestand going. Uh, let's let's start it off well. And they'd, they'd be down 3 nothing in the first period. <laughs> it's just another one of those like little things that's changed so drastically about this team that even in those tough spots, first game back at home after a long road trip, generally a sore spot for teams across the league, historically across the league. And the Canucks have crushed those types of moments all season long. Yeah, and it, it's it's such a good sign of their like rededication of what they hope to accomplish this season. Their and habits. It, yeah, and the growth of a team. Yeah. Um, you know, those games that they would used to play, you know, you come back home after a 5-4 game or something like that, and it's a taxing game, and you get back home, and you know you start making these excuses. And look, they're they're valid excuses, okay? Yep. They're, they're real reasons why it's difficult to go, um, you know, cross country, come back home, distractions, and all these things. And yes, yeah, so sometimes you lay a flat one, but then you see it here, and the way they've done these. And Sad had the stat yesterday, you know, outside of a one gamer yep. coming back on an extended road trip, they've won the first game back home. It's, and and to me, it also speaks to like their style of play too. Yeah, we talk about the physicality and how tough it is, but when when you're like that formed up with your identity and and your staples and all these things, yeah, the game should be easier for you, and you're not taxing yourself as much. And you come back home, and it's, we we know what we have to do. We we know what we yeah. have to do. So it, for me, it just the game becomes simpler for them. And, and yesterday, they weren't really pushed out of their comfort zone at any point. No, and I think that's sort of. What was impressive about yesterday? Did they create a ton of great scoring chances? No, but they were up to nothing after their first four shots on net because they, you know, somewhat forced a turnover to JT Miller. And hey, Elias Lindholm has got an elite shot and he used defenseman as a screen. And maybe Alex Lyon wants that one back. A little bit of everything on the second goal as well. But and we've seen them do that all season long, build an early lead and then be able to to sit on it. And they've gotten better at sitting on their leads throughout the course of the season. But you just never like they're so good defensively that once they had that two nothing lead, it was comfortable for most of the rest of the way, even with all the penalties that they had taken and soft calls that they were suffering from the uh, opposing refs. But it's just another one of those signs of how much they've grown. And and Talkin even mentioned at post game 
about like, they remembered they, they they had one of these slip ups against Detroit. Yeah, and they've been, it was still fresh in the mind. Yeah, and they've been Very so clearly. good. Obviously, we keep referencing the number of them leading after two, the thirty one zero and two, and one of the two is Detroit, and yeah. to, to have it that recently and still seal the door once again, it's. There's another marker, right? It's it's how they translate from road to home, and still, how are they dedicated to closing out these leads at up to nothing? You feel pretty fantastic. That is 64 out of a possible 66 points. It's ridiculous. It's bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're first in the league. They've got a pretty good cushion. Uh, what is it, 12 points now on uh, second in the Pacific? Yeah. And by the way, we should reference also leading after one. Mm-hmm. I feel like that one's gotten uh, pushed aside. They're 21-3-1. Yep. 21, three and one when leading after one. The the only like some of the, the record stuff like, hey, you score first, you're generally going to go on to wins. Um, it's just remarkable how often it's happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they start games well, they finish games well, and that's how you build a comfortable lead on top of the NHL standings. Fifty five games into the season, six points above anybody else, 12 points up on the Vegas Golden Knights in the Pacific and I was thinking about this today. If you're thinking about awards that this team, individuals could win, of course, Quinn Hughes, favorite for the Norris. Uh, Demko's right there with Hellebuck for the Vesna right now. I think as far as Hart Trophy goes... I think they've kind of slid out of that one. It's yeah. kind of a three-horse race now, maybe with McKinnon and Kucherov and, and maybe McDavid. Well, I'd throw Pasternak in there, but yeah. Uh, pasta could be in, in that one mm-hmm. too. But yeah, uh, you wouldn't put Pedersen there or, or Hughes there. Maybe Hughes most of the group, but probably a little bit on the outside looking in. Rick Tockett right there for head coach of the year. And I just, like I was thinking about the landscape of GM of the year. And there is nobody in the same area code as Patrick Alvin. Like, there is a chasm. It is the size of the Grand Canyon. How far behind Kevin Cheveldayoff should be in the race for GM of the year. You may as well give the award to Patrick Alvine already. I know they go all the way until the end of the second round where they officially vote on GM of the year. But this man's taken a lottery team to first place in the league, and on top of that, he's been the most active GM mm-hmm. in the league. That's kind of what does it for me. Like, while everybody else is sitting there twiddling their thumbs, oh, it's so hard to make trades in this league, this guy... That's how they sound, too. Yes. He traded for DeSmith, Lafferty, Zadorov, and Lindholm all in season. It's remarkable how Patrick Alvine, and I know he's... GM of the year, it's a collective front office. He's the one that would be up for the award. Alvin has done wonders to this roster. And I don't think any GM in the league is even close to having the same level of impact on their roster. Yeah, I'm trying to think who who would even be second. For me, it's Shevel Day off because of the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. Oh man, that's a ski mask effort right there. Yeah. That is a got rid of a problem and supplemented in a big way with the, with the guys coming in, too. He also signed Shifley and Hellebuck yeah, for the that, season. Yeah, that, that's massive, yeah. Those look great right now. 
Yeah, well, it's only for this year. <laughs> it's GM of this you know, year. I, I think the way we do GM of I the think, year is I not think great. Cutting either. Blake Wheeler was the reason they signed. <laughs> so another so, great yeah, move. Great move. Yeah, it worked. Great move. But you, we, we, we fixed we, the culture problem. We Sorry, do the Blake thing Wheeler. of like one years of like, oh, what transactions did they do in the last year? Yeah. Sometimes it's like the the planning before, right? That solves a problem that, like the Philipronic trade, wouldn't even be considered yeah. in Patrick Alvine's resume. Yeah, or like Boston. Yeah, you know, in preparation for Krejci and Bergeron going out, that to me deserves a lot of credit. But it's not going to go into the Charlie Coyle and yeah. Pavel Zaka have filled in. Bill Zito in Florida. I'm trying to think, you know, because because they, they had all the injuries. Yeah, I wanted to say Barry Zito and correct you, but I'm like, no, Barry Zito's the pitcher. He's definitely the guy with the big curveball who's Barry trying to Zito be a country musician now. For GM of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I always get them mixed up. Oakland A's pitchers will do guys named dudes later. So like, <laughs> I'm out after Tim Hudson. Uh, a lot of people on my, uh, on my Twitter mentioned Daniel Briere. And I feel I could make the argument for John Tortorella being a bigger mm-hmm. competitor in the Jack Adams for Rick Tockett than I could Daniel Briere being close to Patrick Alvin for GM of the year. Because think about what Daniel Briere has done. I mean, he traded Ivan Provorov. Uh, he ended up getting Sean Walker out of that, which was a nice piece. But like most of the moves that they made were with an eye of, hey, we're kind of in transition here. We're rebuilding a little bit. These are pieces we're selling to get assets for the future. And the biggest reason that the Philadelphia Flyers are having success this year is internal improvement. Konechny's taken a step. Sean Couturier came back and he's been great. Um you know, they've developed guys like Tyson Forster and mm-hmm. Owen Tippett. You know, those types of moves weren't really what Daniel Briere did to put this roster in a place to have success. It was, we're just committing to a rebuild and now we're having success. So anywhere I look, I'm saying nobody comes close to what Patrick Alvin has done to maneuver the Vancouver Canucks into position to be a playoff team and a Stanley Cup contender. Even if you think about the Dallas Stars and Jim Nill. That's a lot of like trees that were planted 20 yeah. years ago that are now coming to... Uh, coming to uh, Providing shade nowadays. <laughs> are ripening at the right time. Yeah. Plus, you know, they, they add Matt Duchesne. You know, that was yeah. uh, a, a good move. But, but in an era when like the flat cap has compressed any sort of flexibility and any yeah. sort of agility to make moves uh you know, patrick alvin is the one that's been uh, the most active among it yeah and even in free agency all the moves they've made there what about the gms that have fired coaches and had it worked i mean that's a so what you're giving ken holland an award for firing i'm, I'm just trying to present other <laughs> ideas here <laughs> modern ideas or modern problems require modern ideas hasn't worked yet for the la kings no. It's somewhat working for the St. Louis Blues. There's no GM that has had the volume, but also the hit rate that Patrick Alvin has had this year. So I think you can just pretty much make him the heavy favorite for GM of the year, and it would be well-deserved on that front. It's... um. Like, this team's going to win the President's Trophy. Are they not? Oh, I was looking at You have at a six-point yeah. lead right now. I, I was looking at it today. So in the past, like, eight years, right? Post yeah. um, um, 
2012-13. And the, the eight normal seasons we have, you can do it at the inflection point of uh, other seasons as well. But we, we've had these weird seasons in between here. But at this stage of the season, 129 days into the league year, which is where we are today, uh, the teams that have had five or more point lead by this stage, all of them won the President's Trophy. It was Tampa in 2019, Boston in 2013, Washington in 2016. That's the group. There, there's been another one that's been in pole position. Washington did it. They had a one-point lead at that stage. But Colorado had a three-point stage. They held on to it in 2022. But if, if this stage, like, we talk about how much how tough it is to make up ground. If you're good and you're clipping along here at, uh, what is the point percentage? Uh, seven, it's a ridiculous number here. Uh, 727. Yeah. So Bonkers. 27 games to go. You're looking at getting close to 73% of the points. They are on pace to have a better season than the 2010-2011 team. They're on pace for 119 points right mm-hmm. now, which would be a win better than the 2011 team. So they're on pace for 119. Which was, at the time, like regarded as the best regular season in the salary cap era. <laughs> it was a ridiculous season. So you know, uh, The Bruins had a great season last year, yeah. and Tampa's big season as well. But you know that 2011 team, they led the league in goals for and goals against. They were incredible. So let's say they get to, they're on pace for 119. Let's say they get to 115. Okay. Yeah. They, they they ease up a little bit. Well, the schedule does get a little bit tougher yeah. coming up. But even 115, that it's unbelievable. Yes. Nobody would have thought that, right? So 115. So Florida's 44 points away from that, with 28 games to go. Yeah. So they have they'd have to pick up 45 of a possible 56. Yep. That's that's a lot. That seems really difficult. (laughs) Yeah, it does seem really difficult. But they like everything they've done this year. Nothing, nothing seems out of reach for this team. Uh, A couple of texts coming in. Canucks having a nice season, but President's Trophy means nothing. Absolutely, look, absolutely. But it's still a trophy. I'm a soccer guy, so I still like. I appreciate being the 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 top of the table at the end of the season. Yeah, being being recognized for consistency over the course of uh, six months. It's 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 something. Yes, Vancouver needs something to cheer for too. Yeah, like it shouldn't be disregarded. But but here's the thing: it's 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 for me. It's nice to like be at the front of the race. And now it's not about what anybody else is doing. As much as we look at the out-of-town scoreboard, you're in so far control. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's nice to, and it's translatable too, to just focus on what you're doing. And then you can like block out any of the noise. Hey, if, if we handle our business, we'll we're, win. We're winning the president. Whereas you're not, yeah, you're not worried about, okay, what's LA doing tonight? We got to catch up yeah. to St. Louis. We got to, okay, Nashville, how are they playing against Colorado? And you got to catch up. You're just, how do we handle our business? Yeah. You control your destiny. And it just unclutters everything. And for an athlete, it's like you, that's what you want. You, you want a free mind to just go play. One of the things about this team, too, um, like teams like Boston and Tampa and Vegas, you know, they, they've been around the block. You know, they, they uh, sort of, um, I don't know if manage their season is the right way to put it, but they know what they need to do to get to the playoffs. And then they know... Mm-hmm what they need to do once the playoffs begin to up their game and get to that next level. I think for the Canucks, like I'm not so worried about complacency here because I think this team has been so far down the path of 
being bad <laughs> that they know they can't take anything for granted. So I, I just don't see a level of complacency creeping into the core of this roster because they seem to know what they need to do to have success. And that's been instilled by this coaching staff to this team and finally risen the standards like we've talked about for so long. Uh, I know you guys don't care about the President's Trophy, but it's still something. Being the best team over 82 games is still something. It doesn't mean as much as the Stanley Cup, but it's still something. I I shouldn't have even brought it up. (laughs) People are mad. Why are people so mad about winning the President? Because they won it in 2011 and 2012. I think people just generally associate it it being a curse. Right. It's it's more of a superstition. Don't be the Washington Capitals and be like, hey, we won the President's Trophy. Buy a t-shirt. No, don't do that. But like, still celebrate winning, being the best team over 82 games. Don't have fear over doing good things. Yes. I, I cannot stress this enough. Yes. Like, I get it. it we, we don't talk about president's trophies. Legacies are not built on president trophies. I get it. Yes. Somebody's going to get it. They're going to play 82 games. You want first place in the West? You want number one in the league? It comes with the territory of doing it. But but the, the this fear of like, oh, you win the president's trophy, you're not going to win <laughs> the Stanley Cup. I think, well, good teams do good things. I think people want them to come in first, but they just want to like deny the trophy itself. <laughs> You know, <laughs> Drywaller Joe says it's the kiss of death. It's not a curse. <laughs> it's not a curse. Stop. Stop giving curses power. What about having home, like, having home ice advantage though? How do you think yeah. you get that? Exactly. But right? that, that's huge though. I, I, I kind of think a home ice advantage might be overrated in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Do I don't mean? I think oh. the Game first seven? two rounds, it matters. After yeah. that, if you're a good team, you make it to the third round, you can't go win on the road. That's, yeah. that's a you problem. But you'd always rather be at home. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. But it's not like it just hasn't proven to be the massive advantage yeah. sometimes we make it out to be. But if mm-hmm. it's a slight advantage in the playoffs, I still think you'll take any advantage yeah. you can get. Uh, 100%. Don't disagree on that. So, okay. Leading the league right now, Thatcher Demko ranked the number three goalie in the league at ESPN. Now, this is a poll of players around the league and executives types. The only two ahead of him, Connor Halibuck and Andre Vasilevsky, in that order. I don't know if Demko wins the Vesna Trophy this year. Connor Halibuck's got a pretty good track record right now. They're going to be neck and neck all the way until the end of the year. And you know what? It's hard to gauge how the voting's going to go when general managers are the ones voting on the Vesna. So I'm still curious how that all goes. Regardless... I think, you know, you, you've pointed out something before the show of just how interesting Demko's schedule is going to be through the final 27 games of the season. Yeah, so 27 games to go. He's at 40 right yeah. now. Yeah. So projected to get to 59. Mm-hmm. We, we always talk about the number, like what number do you want to try to get to? You know, 55 is usually the number. And there was a stretch there when DeSmith was getting some starts. We thought, oh, okay, 52 maybe. Could could DeSmith yep. get to 30 starts on the year? But th- that feels like a lot. So if he's projected for 59, we want to get it down to 55. Yeah. You have to buy four extra starts for Casey DeSmith somewhere when there's only two back-to-backs the rest only of the Only two back-to-backs. And in March, on that homestand, there's a lot of gaps in between. They have, Sat and I talked about this earlier this week, the the schedule, although um, maybe there is an uptick in difficulty of schedule Mm -hmm. as far as opponents go, uh, the 
volume is quite favorable for the Vancouver Canucks. Plus, you have a ton of home games. What is maybe factoring in on this discussion? Casey DeSmith has lost four of his last five starts. Now... Some overtime in there, though. Overtime and mm-hmm. shootouts. Each of the last three losses, lost three in a row. Where they all went to overtime and shootout. But he's given up three goals or more in four of those starts as well. And they all turned out to be losses. So his effectiveness hasn't quite been there in the same way that it was very early on in the season. I really don't think any of that should matter all that much. Ultimately, it's going to come down to Ian Clark and and Thatcher Demko and how they feel about it. But I'm going to guess that they find a way to keep Demko fresh for the playoffs and keep him around that 55-game mark. Well, they referenced it last night, too, about they have a plan for it. So you know he's going to get at least two with the back-to-backs. Yeah. Do you play Demko? Like, I think you have to reverse engineer this almost to find the spots to find it, uh, to, to where you get to Smith in. Do you play Demko in like the final game of the season so he gets that long rest? Mm-hmm. So you play him against Calgary or Edmonton, then you can give to Smith one or two of the last starts. Yeah. And so we, we got to find, uh, what is it, 12 starts, 13 starts for uh, to Smith the rest of the way here? Yeah. And I think you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know he's getting one of the back like he's getting the two back-to-backs right yeah. so so that's 10 more we got to find them yep yeah. um i'm probably giving him the winnipeg game on the road at the end of the season yep yeah. so that's three i'll give him all of the layup matchups you've got remaining on the season so there's a couple against anaheim a couple against arizona maybe those are the types of starts that you're going to line up casey mm-hmm. DeSmith for to me, that that's what makes sense. So I'm I'm giving him both of the Anaheim starts and both of the Arizona starts. I might even give him Pitts, uh, Pittsburgh coming up here. Interesting. You know, some familiarity with that one. Yeah, familiarity against that team. A little yeah. bit of a revenge game kind of status. Plus, what like what's their status if they're sliding out of the playoffs? Yeah. So that's five games right there. Montreal. Yep. Montreal is it's another one you mm-hmm. could give, but. It, the thing is, like down that stretch, you've got so many against Los Angeles and Vegas yeah. that you know you want to go toe to toe with those teams and show your best against their best and see how you guys shape up in those scenarios. But Twelve of twenty-seven seems like a lot. It seems like a lot. They're going to have to really flush out that schedule for uh, Casey DeSmith and Thatcher Demko through the rest of the season. It's Dan Richo and Bick Nazar coming up. We've got Yannick Hansen, your favorite Friday analyst here on Canuck Central on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back in on Canuck Central, it's Dan Richo and Vic Nazar. Vic stepping in for Satyar Shah, taking a maintenance day today. And we got lots to get to. 
Yannick Hansen about to join us, plus the mailbag. Your questions, if you have some extras, throw them in 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Canuck Central is for Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Camby and Maine, or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. We welcome in our first guest via the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. It is Yannick Hansen. This analyst is brought to you by the Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. Thanks for this, Yannick. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're, we're doing pretty good. Canucks uh, continue to win hockey games. They didn't feel like really put it into high gear against Detroit last night. It was comfortable all night long, and you know, it's it's just weird. Like they're at the top of the food chain. They have been for for most of the season now. They've given themselves a, a pretty good cushion. Uh, you were on those Presidents Trophy teams. Uh, what's what's difficult about about being number one in the league? Um, it's truth be told, not a lot. It's it's a lot easier than being at the bottom of the food order. I tell you that much. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's not getting complacent. Um, and not in the sense these games that are coming now, fast and furious, no getting complacent to the playoff. Because um, like you, it is easier playing this stretch of games out when you are set. You're not stressed. You're not worried about uh, making the playoffs and all these things. No, your your focus is more so on on who are we going to play and all these things. But that's where it can kick in. That when that first game comes, you're not there. Uh, in sense of your attention to details, your desperation, all these little things uh, you're going to need come come round one in order to, to win that round because, yeah, you are first in the league and you're sitting comfortably and you're winning a lot of hockey games, but but it don't matter when, when you're playing, uh, whether it's a wild card team or wherever you get in that first round because if you aren't playing at 100%, you're probably not going to win that series. And that's the biggest hurdle, making sure that when you play that, that game one, game two, game three in the first round, you are firing on all cylinders. Because if you aren't, you're not going to win. You might be in a comfortable spot and, and look like you're in a good spot and all these things, but the league is this close that if you aren't if you aren't performing at that time of year, you're not going to be able to win. They're, they're, they're opening a gap here between them and the second place in the league and, and that race for the President's Trophy. And I was looking back in, in that 2010-11 season, like you guys had a bit of a gap at this stage as well. I think it was four to five points. You know, usually you're always chasing somebody, right? Divisional leader, wild card spot, or number one. When you're in this spot, does it become more about internal than external? Yeah, because, again, you're not looking always at, at the standings as much anymore. Um, oftentimes, uh, the, the teams you're, you're competing with at this point they either aren't in your division or conference either. Um, so, so it is a little bit more of just okay, who have we got tomorrow, and then and then move on. But, but like, Vancouver's got a pretty tough schedule coming up here, um, and, and I'm not saying they've been favorable earlier and stuff like this, but like, Boston was ugly. There's no question about that. That game was was not pretty. Um, we got Winnipeg coming up. You get Colorado coming up. You got Vegas coming up. These are the teams that you'd like to measure yourself with um, now where we are in the standings. And if we don't come away with resolve, confidence, belief that hey, these teams we can beat uh, on any night uh, if we have to, if you come away with another Boston game or two of those, then the the... The belief going into the playoff is, yeah, we're a playoff team, but but 
we don't match up well against the the top of the food chain here. So they need to find a way to to put on some really really good strong games against these teams. You know, I think there's uh, obviously the game gets much more difficult in the playoffs. It does change quite a bit once the postseason comes. Speed picks up. Time and space is is not really there for for anybody, but. The way they play, the way Rick Tockett has them playing, like last night they were suffocating. They didn't really give Detroit much of anything to look at. It feels like a lot of their game is translatable to postseason hockey. Yeah, and they have played well against the Detroits and those teams in the league, and that's my whole point. Um, I saw a stat on, on TV during one of the games here a couple of games ago that their record against teams that aren't playoff teams or these things is phenomenal. And that's all good and well because you need to win these games in order to get in there. But but we need to find a way to, to beat these teams that we'll see come round two, come round three, uh, because this is really where success is going to be measured now. Success isn't about making the playoff. Not, not when you sitting first in the league, not when you've given up first-round draft picks, prospects in, in order to make your team better. First-round first, first exit is, is not a success story. I'd even go as far as saying you lose out in the second round where you're sitting right now with the guys you've added to this team, potentially more coming in. Uh, you, you need to, to be the best team, the best result Vancouver has provided in uh, over a decade now in order for, to, to be able to call this, this season a success. And that's where you're standing and teetering right now. But that's why uh, these games against the teams that you will see uh, second round, third round, you've got to find a way to give yourself some confidence here um, that, that, that the players will always believe that you can win any game. But again, if you lay another egg uh, against these teams, it's starting to become a little bit more, okay, yeah, we're good against the bad teams, but, but we're not quite matching up against the good teams yet. You mentioned those games, Winnipeg, obviously, tomorrow, Colorado, Boston, Vegas, there's two against L.A. They're all before the trade deadline. Now, you don't want to take away too much from a three-week run here, but let's just say it, it goes poorly and, and they go you know, one and five or something like that during that stretch. Do you make any uh, you know, trades because of that ahead of March 8th? I don't think you're making any trades because of, regardless of how you do. I think they, they're looking at the team right now and then they see the holes that we're seeing as well, and you're going to try to improve it because you're hoping that uh, push you over the top or what you just need uh, kind of thing. Um, I, I, I don't think, just as players, we, we're never satisfied. I don't think management is satisfied either. Yeah, you don't you don't need to make a lateral move here. But, but if you can improve your team right now with where they're sitting, you, you're going to do it, um, what, whatever that might be. Um, so, so I don't think the next five or six game is going to dictate whether or not they make another move. Uh, it's going to be dictated by what's available and, and what's the price. We've already seen how uh, Lindholm has sort of mixed up some of what they're doing in the, in the top six. And, you know, last night was probably his best game to date as as a Vancouver Canucky scores the two goals. But what's interesting now is is Lindholm is the centerman and, and Pedersen's moved off to the wing. I guess, hey, whatever's going to work, that's the best fit for, for Elias Lindholm. But it, it seems as though Rick Tockett prefers Lindholm through the middle of the ice. He, he's a natural center. Um, and PD up until maybe last year, this year, uh, we, we kind of wanted him on the wing too because he was a little bit protected. He was a little bit smaller, not as strong, not as good in the circle. 
phenomenal hockey player, but all these things that comes with being a center, um, they were kind of coming to him this year, and he was coming into his own through last year as well. Um, and, and now you're moving him off, and again, the centers dictate the, the game. There, there's no question about that. They're, they're whoever ties uh, the D's to the forwards, they're always there in control of the puck. Um, that, that's why you like your best players at centers with the puck dictating play. Uh, you're moving him off. Yeah, you got a new guy in here that's probably a little bit more defensively, uh, probably a little bit better in, 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 the, in the circle as well. Um, but, but you're moving him out where now you're relying on somebody else to get PD the puck where uh, at the center, go get it yourself. You can get it yourself. You carry it yourself. Now you're, you're you're waiting for somebody else to kind of get it done for you to you. In all in all fairness, if it works out, you're fresher. You can exert your energy in a offensive mind and, instead. But but again, you're you're taking your yourself out of the game if things don't work out. Is that also about positional versatility, kind of like the the, the cross training element? The fact that Patterson, if if need be, in a, in a scramble, can also play the middle as well. Yeah, it, it's always easier to go to the wing. There's no question about that. Mo- moving into center from a, from a winger is almost impossible. Uh, the, the centers are so good. Uh, so much attention goes into that that, uh, like I say, you can't go that way. Going the other way is, is a lot easier. That's why when we see these Team Canada uh, national teams, they got 11 centers on these teams, and then they just kind of filter out on wings. Um, it is what it is. Um, versatility, uh, good players. That um, there are so much rotation too. So once you get into the offensive zone, that there are no positions in there. They're just. And I'd even go as far as saying, like coming back when you lose the puck, there there are no positions mm-hmm. either because third man high, he's the guy who's going in, and then yeah, you get called out. Um, breakouts face-offs, those kind of responsibilities are, are a completely different animal. Um, but but when the game is in motion, it's five guys rotating. You've seen how Quinn Hughes playing the offensive zone. It's almost like he's a forward sometimes. So it's like a lot of rotation, so you can get away with it there. It is more so in the uh, building of the game from your own end through the neutral zone. Uh, when you're breaking out as a center, you're in control. That the puck goes through you, whereas a winger, a winger, a lot of time for me, I'd stand and I'd post up on the far blue line and I'd take a slap shot and I just have to direct it in and then hopefully go get it kind of thing. Whereas a center, you're coming through with speed, you're reading the play, you're dictating, are we carrying, are we dumping, all these things. So you're in a lot more control when you're in the middle. It's just interesting. We, I, I guess, most of us thought it would be Miller moving to the wing in any sort of situation, and instead, it's uh, it's been Elias Pettersson. But we'll see how it continues to develop. That line uh, they played pretty well last night. Nils Hoglander continues to develop. He's getting praised for his play in the corners, and he's become sort of that buzzsaw. Even though he's uh, he's not the tallest guy, I mean, he seems to be pretty strong in that low center of gravity. I think he weighs about 185, 190 in the in the media guide. So he's he's got some uh some heft to him when he when he needs to use it. It's just it's all come together for him this year, Yannick, and he seems to really be comfortable in the role he's been put in. Yeah, it's amazing what a couple of years in the minors will do for you. Um well, we it's, it's like exactly this. like we talked about. He it's he skipped a step. Um he, again, he 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 hit the ground running that the lockout season because he'd been playing in Sweden. So so he was so far ahead. And I remember playing during the lockout when I came back from Finland. Uh, I, I felt like I was skating 100 miles, and the other guys were were in cement, if you will, because you were you were up to speed already. 
uh, and he benefited from it. And then you just kind of expect it, but everybody caught up. And now you, you don't have all those little things that you kind of need, the uh, maturity, size, uh, haven't been around enough, um, being taught a couple things, being allowed to make mistakes as you are in the minors, where in NHL in Vancouver here, when he made a mistake the last little bit before he ended up getting sent down, it got magnified, a blowed up, and uh, he was talked to about it and asked about it in the media all the time. So you kind of you shrink a little bit as a person, as a player, um, where now he's got a little bit more maturity, probably figured out a little bit more what he needs to do, not in order to just play in this league, but, but to stay in this league. Um, and maybe you come to term with, okay, I'm not a first, second line winger. I can pitch in there here and there like he's doing right now, but, but I got to be able to, to adapt and um, carve out a role for myself in the bottom six as well. So when I, are, when I aren't producing, uh, I'm still as uh, uh, something the coach can use. How surprised are you with like the the in season growth, right? Like you, you would expect a little bit, but usually we talk about the the summer being opportunities to adapt your game and add something to it. But for someone like Hoaglander and someone like Juleson, from where we were in October to where we are now, it seems like such a, a fantastic uh, growth uh, development for them. Yeah, again, you're hoping that it'll something that they can maintain. Um, you're always hesitant with. Uh, uh, selling, selling the chicken before it's skin or whatever it is you say. Like it's it's too short of a sample size to say, okay, the Herglander we see now is this the one we're going to get for the next seven eight years? Um, like the same thing when we when we bounce back to all of his first year, is this the guy we're going to get from now on and the rest of his career? Um, you, you need a bigger sample size here in order to determine if if, if they've landed so to speak. But it, it's definitely positive. Uh, it's one of the things that that this team definitely need. Um, somebody who can fill in in the top six uh, around the, the, the four legitimate guys you have in order to make it really click. Well, with Juleson, it feels like the, the power of, of knowing your role on the roster, right? You're the sixth defenseman. We're going to need your help on the penalty kill. Own that role and be that guy. And I, that's exactly what he's done. And he's filled that role perfectly for this team. Yeah, yeah, it just goes to the like seven, eight defenseman. You prefer him not to be in the lineup that much. Uh, you have your other six, and then it's somebody who can fill in when in a pinch. Uh, but but he's definitely filled the shoes or the skates, if you will, uh, and doesn't look out of place. Um, and that's the biggest thing. You want these guys that are have they they have such a tough job. It, it's so many healthy scratches, not playing, not knowing. Always uh, question marks in the off season. Am I coming back? Am I going? Am I leaving? All, all these things, but but they they keep they keep plugging away, keep training, keep staying in shape for for their opportunity. And then when they do, you don't even need to notice them. You just need to not notice them in a bad way. Then then they've done their job. And then when they do pitch in uh, positively, whether it's he he can be physical, Noah Jolson, move the puck a little bit. So so again, those, those are those are just extra pluses, if you will. They're, they're winning right now, and they're having so much success. And they're doing it 5-on-5, five five, Yannick, right? They're 0-15 in the last little stretch here on the power play. Rick Tocchin mentioning today you know, they're, they're trying too much to do the perfect shot. And they're integrating a new player, obviously, Lindholm coming in. What have you noticed in the power play that hasn't really clicked uh, here recently? Yeah, it's the finish because they, they, they've still got the opportunities. They're making the same stuff. They get to the same spots. They're just not – it's just the finish. Uh, and a lot of times – a little bit of puck luck, uh, sometimes maybe early on. You get your shooting percentage is a little bit better, whatever it might be. Um, but don't 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 alter too much. They they've been successful in the past. 
uh, this season as well. So uh, don't, don't get get too hung up why it isn't functioning right now, and and keep doing what has made you successful. Obviously, teams they they adjust, um, but but one of the benefit with being a five man unit is you, you don't need to get too stationary. Um, so a little bit of motion always does does wonders for power plays if it tends to get a little bit uh, stationary. Dakota Joshua out week to week. Can that uh, third line that's been so effective work with Ilya Mikheyev there? I don't think so. Uh, I, I hope so, but but again, they, uh, whatever it was that made that line click, I, I think uh, he was obviously a big part of it, and that's not taking anything away from Garland and Luger because they're, they're equally big parts of this, but... but Dakota brings something uh, nobody brings outside of maybe Myers and, and Sodorov in the fact that the physicality, uh, big body presence, uh, drive the net, doesn't get pushed around. Um, Mikheyev not small, but but he doesn't he doesn't play big that way. Um, so, so I think they're going to have a hard time uh, uh, getting the same results as, as the other three did. Uh, do you have uh, any particular memories of teammates sticking up for you? I had tons of teammates sticking up lately. <laughs> Obviously, it was a different uh, it was a different era. But but again, I played a lot of games early on in my career on the fourth line with with, with Horty. <laughs> it was funny. You get in a scrum and you run your mouth and no fear, no fear. Anytime somebody would grab you, he'd step right in, right in front, and almost throw me out of the way. And here I am, and there's like, yeah, I'm gonna keep going over his shoulder and just laugh, hope somebody will will, will take him up on it. But it, it's like you, you're you're three inches taller and 20 pounds heavier when you play with these type of guys. And the, the comfort and security you feel, like even when you're playing, like you have an extra sense of security. It's like, I'm in a pretty, bit, pretty vulnerable spot here, but I don't think I'm going to get hit because if they do, they'll have to answer and that again that security it's you play a little bit bigger and take a couple more chances garland joked that he's gonna have to owe uh, joshua dinner and he's out week to week so what kind of dinner uh, should joshua be expecting uh, that's probably one of the steak dinners at one of the nicer restaurants uh, <laughs> probably when we visit dallas next time around there are some uh, very fancy ones down there yannick uh, it's always great thanks for this yeah take care there is uh, Yannick Hansen, our Friday analyst here on uh, on Canuck Central, always with some great insight. So where do you think Garland's taking Joshua? Maybe during this homestand, taking him out to Gotham or... Uh... It's got to be Gotham. Yeah. Gotham's... That's the steakhouse. For me, right, like, Gotham is it. Going outside the Not family, that I've been to all of them, but uh, black and blue. Not going to a... Oh, Elisa. I was going to say, you're not going to a Francesco property? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the Canucks get like discounts at, uh, <laughs> at Elisa? Hundred percent. Or do you just yeah. wait till you go to uh, L.A. or Vegas? But maybe that's not as impactful then if you're getting. A I discount. don't know if Josh was going to be on the road trips coming. Yeah, I don't right? know if you can so play that card. Garland's if you're Garland. like, let's yeah. go to the discounted place. <laughs> Dude, I'm out week to week. <laughs> I punched a guy in the face for you. Yeah, yeah. I hurt my hand because of you. Yeah. I'm going to Gotham. I'm getting the tomahawk. Yeah, and you're going to cut it for me. Yeah. <laughs> What's the road trip? We're going to Vegas. We're going to Salt Bay. Yeah. You know. Does he have a restaurant there? I don't even know. They all have a restaurant there. Is that a thing that now where it's like you you question the judgment if you're going to Salt Bay? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'd still want to go and have Salt Bay do the little, you know. Did you ever do it yourself? You're such a meme. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Of course. Oh, yeah. Who hasn't done it themselves? I have. I've never did it. 
You've never, never stop it. it. I never went like that. Oh. You, well, you just did. Done the Amaro. <laughs> Bam! Yeah, you just did it. There's no camera on me. <laughs> Get uh, your next, like, birdie. Do that. Oh, yeah. that's the new gritty celly. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. See, for guys like us, we might have a birdie flask in the bag. I don't know if Ben can do that because, you know, he's just, gotta, it's too many birdies. i drive home. <laughs> ben would be ruined. <laughs> ben would be crushed. <laughs> Gotta call an Uber. Hey, Reach, can you come pick Shot me up? Shot 64 today. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Dan Reach, Joe Nazar. Canuck Central, the mailbag is coming up next.